You're listening to Rockland Community Church, connecting all generations to Jesus. Amen. A few weeks ago, I had a wonderful, fantastic, very good day because Liz and Pedro and Colleen all had to go to work. I had the joy of taking care of our two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter, Juju, by myself. And so I was determined this would be one of the best funnest days of her life. So I had a planned a full day of activities. We started at Panera, where she had her favorite. She had a strawberry banana smoothie, and she had an orange scone, which she loves. Then we went over to Colorado Mills to walk around, and they have uh, these little play cars that you can drive. And so she was in that in this play area, and she met another little girl, and they played together. We just had a blast. Then we had to go to the bank, not because that's fun, but Papa had an errand to run. And then we went over to the Foothills Animal Shelter right there off of 6th Avenue. And the dogs barking, reverberating off those cinder block walls was a bit much for her, but she really liked petting the the kitties. They were quiet and gentle. And then we went over to a park where there was slides and jungle gym, and she was on the swing and just had a blast. That got Papa to 10.45 (laughs) a.m. I had woefully overestimated a toddler's attention span. You know, rookie mistake, okay? Papa learns and grows. Well, Juju and Papa have a close relationship because we spend time together and we communicate. And it's the same thing with our relationship with God. We need to spend time with him and and communicate with him. Jesus taught that the Bible is integral to building a relationship with God. In John chapter 5, verse 39, he said this to the Pharisees. He said, you study the scriptures diligently because you think in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Jesus says several very important things in the scripture. First of all, he's saying the scriptures are essential to know God, but he's also saying that the scriptures are a means to an end rather than an end unto themselves, and that end is this, that scriptures, when they're properly used, they deepen our relationship with Almighty God. God's written word, the Bible, is a supreme blessing that God has given to us, to humanity, In John 15, uh, 7 and 8, Jesus said this, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Psalm 119, verse 9, David, 3,000 years ago, wrote this, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Maybe you've seen that TikTok video. It's, it's, it's had 3.7 million uh, views. It's of this toddler, uh, Charlie, and he's having a conversation in the middle of the night with Alexa. His, his mom, Allie, put uh, Amazon's Alexa, that smart speaker thing, in his room, you know, because he likes to listen to lullabies. And she also has this uh, baby monitor with a camera on it, and it recorded this middle-of-the-night conversation between Charlie and Alexa, where Charlie wakes up and he says, Alexa, I need daddy. And Alexa says, what should I add? And Charlie replies, daddy. So evidently he wanted Alexa to go get his dad. Alexa responds, I have added daddy to your shopping list. (laughs) Is Is there anything else? And Charlie thinks for a minute and goes, um, no. Well, in a loose way, don't, don't, 
hang me on the details of this. The Bible's kind of our Alexa. It's a way in which we can connect with Almighty God. And God's written word has been given to us so that we could know God's living word, Jesus Christ. Dr. John Lennox is one of my heroes. I've read several of his books. He's a uh, uh, professor emeritus of mathematics at Oxford University, and he said this, God's help comes in his dealings with us through the scripture where we sense that we hear his voice. So let's look at, at learning how to hear God's voice via the Bible this morning. John just read for us a couple of moments ago, Mark 7, 31 through 37, and I want to use that as a metaphor for us this morning. It's a story of a man who cannot hear, he's deaf, and cannot speak because he can't hear, and so he can't articulate correctly, and so he's mute. And now it's a huge impediment to being able to uh, enjoy community or fellowship, and being able to be part and to express yourself, to be able to be heard and to interact. What's interesting is Judaism is an auditory not a visual, religion. It says in 1 Samuel 3.10, the, the boy Samuel says this, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then the Shema, which is the highest and, and greatest expression of Judaism, says this, Hear, that's where the word Shema comes from, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And then Jesus picks up this theme of an auditory faith, of developing spiritual hearing when he says in Matthew 11:5, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's not speaking of physical ears, he's, speech, he's speaking of spiritual ears, being able to spiritually understand what God is trying to say. And then Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. So the Bible is clear. To develop a healthy, growing relationship with God, we need to be able to hear God's voice, and a major way that we can hear God's voice is through the scriptures, through the Bible. It says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing the word of God. Proverbs 30, verse 5 says this, every word of God proves true. So the Bible tells us the truth about who God is. The Bible tells us the truth about who we are, and the Bible tells us the truth about what life is. We live in a day and age that is screaming at us, isn't it, that sin is good. It feeds us lies which destroy people. No wonder anxiety and depression and addiction are all rising in our world. But God in love has given us his written eternal word that tells us the truth that guides us in the good, the blessed way. Pastor Jim was 100% correct. The lens through which to interpret the Bible is through the gospel, through the person and the life and death and resurrection and the teachings of Jesus Christ. Scripture is God's written word given to us so we can build a healthy relationship with the author of the book, with God himself. The Bible teaches how to build healthy lives and healthy families and relationships and, and a healthy community. And the opposite is true. Our lives become more confused and complex and broken when we don't hear God's voice. It says in Amos 8, 11 and 12 in the Old Testament, the day will come, says the Lord, when I will send a famine in the land, a famine for hearing the word 
of the Lord. We are lost when we disconnect with God. Counting Crows, the musical group, they were onto something when they said this, when they sang this, how am I gonna keep myself away from me? G.K. Chesterton, the, the novelist and the author, picked up the same theme as Counting Crows were saying in their, uh, in their song when uh, Chesterton was asked by the London Times, what's wrong with the world? His reply was, dear sir, I am. Yours faithfully, G.K. Chesterton. Too often, when we don't sense God's voice, we blame God as if it's God that's not speaking rather than we are not listening. Kind of reminds me of the story of the husband that went to their family doctor and said, I'm concerned about my wife's hearing. I, I think she really needs to be tested on that. And uh, the doctor said, well, let's do a little test to find out how severe her hearing loss is. And, and so <laughs> say something to her when you're about 20 feet away and then just keep moving closer until finally she can hear you and we'll be able to have some kind of test to start with how much hearing loss she has. So the husband says, brilliant. So he goes home and he, and he's, he sees his wife. She's cutting vegetables in the kitchen. She has her back to him and he's about 20 feet away and he goes, honey, what's, what's for dinner? And he was so sad, there was no response. So he moves about five feet closer and goes, honey, what's for dinner? No response. Five feet closer yet. Honey, what's for dinner? No response. So finally he gets up just, just about a foot behind her. He goes, honey, what's for dinner? And she said, for the fourth time, vegetable stew. <laughs> <laughs> and so often that's the way it is with me, with God. I don't know about you, but for me. You see, spiritually we can be like the deaf guy in Mark chapter 7. And in that, Jesus healed him physically, but maybe Jesus needs to heal us spiritually. When we're spiritually deaf, it multiplies Every problem in life, we have less comfort, we have less truth, we have less faith, less wisdom, less courage, less uh, discernment, less grace upon our lives when we don't hear God's voice guiding us in life. On the other hand, we have more confusion, more anxiety, we have more depression, we have more broken relationships, we make more egregious mistakes when we don't understand and hear God's voice via the scriptures. What's sobering is, it is possible to know what the Bible says, but not hear God's voice. Joseph Stalin was the dictator in the former Soviet Union, and maybe you didn't know this about him, but he studied theology for five years, from the age of 15 to age 20. He memorized huge swaths of scripture, but yet under his dictatorship in the Soviet Union, over 20 million people suffered and died needlessly because of the hardness and the evil in his heart. Then, going back to what I read there in John chapter 5 at the beginning, what Jesus said to the Pharisees, that you study the scriptures diligently because by them you believe you'll get eternal life, and, but the scriptures speak of me as coming. They didn't get that. The Pharisees would study scriptures hours a day, Yet they were filled with spiritual pride. They were spiritually deaf and they couldn't, and they were spiritually blind to who Jesus was as the Messiah. So let's not be spiritually deaf like Stalin or the Pharisees. Instead, let, could our prayer be this morning and every day of our lives, Jesus, heal my spiritual ears. 
that I may hear God's life-giving voice. The fact of the matter is, the Bible is the most amazing book in history. No book has been scrutinized more than the Bible. The Bible was written over a 1,500-year period of time by over 40 different authors, yet it's one book that comes together. That's amazing. It's an inspired book. It's, it's a sacred book. It's an amazing book. It's God's gift of love for us. It's something tangible that God has left us so that we could know him. It says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they are carried along by the Holy Spirit. Prophecy here is not so much speaking about uh, future telling as much as it's talking about God's communication revealing itself to us. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, Paul is writing to his mentee, young Timothy, and he says this, How from infancy you have known the scriptures. That says something about how to raise our kids. How from infancy you have known the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God-breathed is a major data point in these verses to, uh, for us to understand how to hear God's voice. The word for wind, breath, and spirit in Greek and in Hebrew are the same word. In Hebrew, it's ruach, and in Greek, it is, it's pneuma. And so when it talks about God breathed, it's talking about the breath of God, it's talking about the spirit of God. In other words, the scriptures were inspired not by man. They were inspired by God's breath, his communication, his Holy Spirit. So therefore, for us to understand the scriptures, we need Holy Spirit help. If we approach the Bible in our own understanding, in our own biases, our own agenda, our own culture, our own limitations, we're going to make a mess of it, each and every one of us. Here's proof of that. How often in history have highly religious people in the name of the Bible committed great atrocities? That happening even once in history would be once too often. But Scripture comes alive to us with Holy Spirit help. God's Word is essential for life. Matthew 4.4, Jesus said this, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. God's words are God-breathed, they have his spirit, and they give life just as we breathe to receive life. We need to remember that the Bible teaches that God created the world, the universe, by his word. That God sent Jesus to be the living word of God for us. That God went to great lengths to leave us the written word of God, the Bible, which many people literally had to give their lives that we could have this book. People have died so that we could have this book called the Bible. Look it up. All of the purpose of all of these things, creating the world for us, creating us, 
giving us the living Word of God, Jesus, giving us the written Word of God, the Bible is all for the purpose that we may have a relationship with God to guide us in the paths of life, that humanity may be blessed and that we may live in peace. And it's important to remember that we don't worship the Bible, we worship God. To uh, uh, borrow a word that's used more in Catholic uh, settings rather than Protestant settings, we venerate the Bible, which just means that we respect it as sacred and holy, but we see the Bible not as a means, as an end to itself, but as a means to an end. Jesus came, not that we would be more religious, Jesus came so we develop a relationship with God, and that's why God gave us the Bible, not to make you more religious, but that you may have a relationship with the author of the book. God gave us the Bible not so that we'd be self-righteous know-it-alls that are judging other people, but that we would know Jesus and become more like Jesus. To do this, we need to develop spiritual ears that can clearly hear God's voice. At the beginning of the message, you saw some pictures of Juju, but that doesn't mean you have a relationship with Juju. Juju doesn't know you. Papa has a relationship with Juju, Because we spend time together and we communicate through which we get to know each other and we bond together in this relationship. And that's what God wants with each one of us. The Bible, God's written word, is a major way that we can build this relationship with God. Too often, sad to say, we don't hear God's voice. Sometimes, The problem is we allow our lives to be filled with too much noise that we don't hear God's still, small voice. We listen to CNN and to Twitter and to HGTV and ESPN and TikTok and Spotify to the point that God doesn't have space to speak to us. It drowns out his still, small voice. Sometimes we're so busy talking, we don't take time to listen. Sometimes we neglect the scriptures, so we're easily deceived by Satan and our sin nature and the evil world system. Then other times we're spiritually tone deaf. We're walking under control of our sin nature rather than walking in harmony with the Spirit of God. Sometimes our spiritual radio, so to speak, isn't on the right channel to hear God's voice. And what is the right channel is As Pastor Jim said a couple of weeks ago, that right channel to interpret the scriptures is the gospel. Hearing God's voice, my friends, will radically change our lives. Just one quick example of that. In 1994, Colleen and our three little kids at the time and and my life were radically changed where over a series of, of months, through the Bible, through other people, through prayer, through circumstances, God spoke to us, directing us to move to Colorado, which has changed our lives and hopefully has impacted other lives. The reality is that we're hindered in knowing God's voice without the scriptures. A major aspect of hearing the voice of God is interacting with the Bible. God's written word, the scriptures, gives us spiritual wisdom and knowledge and understanding by which our lives are blessed. Read the Gospels again through the lens of what we're talking about this morning, and you will see, as you note, that Jesus' mindset, his worldview, his words, his actions were saturated in the Scripture. 
Let's just take a, a couple of moments before we worship through communion to look at one example of God speaking to us through Scripture. It's in Job chapter 38, verses 22 and 23. Let me read them for you. It's God speaking to Job, and he says this, Have you entered the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of the hail, which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? Now, when we just read that initially, a superficial, literal interpretation could be that this was written maybe somewhere around 4,000 years ago, and so this is just simply a scientifically naive worldview by a superstitious ancient people, just they didn't know where snow came from, and so they're coming up with a myth about that. But is that actually what God is trying to say in this scripture? Let's look a little deeper. The Hebrew word for snow is shalag. Hebrew is such a fascinating, complex language. It's just so cool. The first alphabet in history was Semitic. In fact, the first two letters of the Hebrew uh, alphabet is Aleph and Bet, and that's where we get the word alphabet. In Judaism, snow is symbolic of the purest form of white. If you're an interior decorator, you probably know that Benjamin Moore has over 40 different types of white paint. Isn't that amazing? I think it's 42 to be exact. There's simply white, decorator's white, high reflective white, spooled white, chantilly lace white, atrium white, blackened white, which is an oxymoron. Then there's my personal favorite, marshmallow white which is actually quite yummy. <laughs> snow to the Jews is the purest form of white. Now, the word snow in Hebrew, shaleg, is made up of three Hebrew letters. Every letter in Hebrew has its own meaning. So there's shin, lambid, and gimel are the three letters for the word snow in Hebrew. And shin is God's passionate love. That's what the, word, the letter shin means. The letter lamed, its meaning is a teaching from heaven. And then gimbal means this, the whisper of God's loving kindness. So snow is a tangible picture of God's pure, passionate love as a whisper from heaven to teach us about God's loving kindness. So let's think about snow for just a moment here. First of all, snow is, is quiet. You know, when there's a snowstorm, have you ever gone out at night and it just muffles the sound? You know, God's voice Similarly, is usually a whisper. Gimel, the whisper of God's loving kindness. We live in an age of noise and shouting and sensory overload and outrage, don't we? That isn't snow. That isn't where we find God's voice teaching us about his love. God's loving kindness is found in his still, small voice. Not only is snow quiet, but snow is life-giving. Water, which we obviously need uh, for, uh, to live, comes primarily from our snowpack. In Colorado, I looked this up, 75% of our fresh water comes from the snowpack. Economists estimate that the Colorado River, which is fed by the Rocky Mountain snowpack, is worth at least $9 billion a year. Lambent, God's life-giving teaching from heaven. Not only is snow quiet and snow is life-giving, but snow covers dirt with beauty. The, the Boulder County Marshall Fire left over $500 million in devastation lately. We need to pray for folks that lost their homes. The next day, what happened? 
It snowed. We received six inches of snow, which covered the burned, scorched earth in this blanket of beautiful white. Have you ever seen a microscopic photograph of snow, uh, of a snowflake? It's exquisitely beautiful. And the same way God's love covers the brokenness of our lives with his grace. Shin, God's passionate love. So no wonder the psalmist David was inspired in Psalm 51.7 to say this, wash me and I will be whiter than snow. The prophet Isaiah in uh, Isaiah chapter 1 verses 16 and 18 said this, come now let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Another angle to understand the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, is through uh, gematria. And that's that each letter in Hebrew has a numerical value, and then every number is given a meaning. So shalag, snow, shin, lamed, gimbal, as you well know now. Shin, its numerical value is 300. Lambit is 30, and gimbal is 3, 333. In Hebrew, the number 3 represents God. So 333 represents the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit's passionate love for us falls from heaven like snow. And then it says that it's reserved, these storehouses of snow in verse 23 are reserved for times of trouble, for days of war and battle. It's talking about the tough times of life. It's talking about the loss of things of value through destruction and adversity, through evil, uh, through enemies. And when you think about war, there's the loss of life. People die. There's a loss of homes and businesses. They're bombed out and left as we see pictures from around the world in war zones. A loss of community, a loss of hope, a loss of family, a loss of security, a loss of freedom. So he's saying his storehouses of snow are stored up for times of loss, times of adversity. So Job chapter 38 verses 22 and 23 is using the metaphor of snow to say that God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit teach us from heaven about their loving kindness in a quiet, beautiful, life-giving way in order to cover our sins and to keep us from loss and destruction in life. That's beautiful. Job 38, 22 and 23 is not about an unsophisticated ancient people trying to explain where snow comes from. It's a beautiful word picture of God's grace for us. If we will delve in and say, Lord, speak to me. Help me to study. Help me to understand what you are trying to say. Now every time it snows, every time you go skiing, every time you shovel the walk with snow, you can remember uh, Job chapter 38 verses 22 and 23 and you can think about the grace and the mercy of Almighty God sent down from heaven in Jesus Christ to cover us with his blood, to cover us so the destruction that the enemy wants to bring to our lives will be redeemed and rebuilt and that we have hope That's a magnificent thought. So how can we hear God's voice? The big idea this morning is really simple from this scripture. To hear God's voice, you need to seek God's heart. To hear God's voice, you need to seek God's 
heart. The Bible, when the Holy Spirit is helping us, when we listen to good teaching by people that study the Word of God and have a gift of teaching from God and, and a call from God and a passion from God to share His Word, that reveals the Bible, the Holy Spirit helping us, teachers helping us. It reveals God's heart to us. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 13, Jesus said this, Go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. And Jesus is quoting the Old Testament scripture, Hosea 6.6, one of my wife's favorite scriptures that says this, I want you to show love and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Dr. Rosalind Picard is a professor at MIT, co-founder of two companies, Effective and Empatica, and uh, she's absolutely brilliant, and her life was changed when she heard God's voice. She was raised atheist, just assume that's, that's a worldview, thought that it was superstitious to believe in, in a God you, you couldn't see, but then... Um, she went to college at MIT, and her roommate happened to be a Christian. And uh, watching her roommate, all of a sudden it dawned on her that she'd never read the Bible, that maybe she should read that. So Picard said in her own words, quote, When I first opened the Bible, I expected to find phony miracles and assorted gobbledygook. To my surprise, the book of Proverbs was full of wisdom. I had to pause while reading and think. So she ended up reading the Bible through cover to cover twice. She's an overachiever. She said, I felt this strange sense of being spoken to. Part of me was increasingly eager to spend time with the God of the Bible, but an irritated voice inside of me insisted I'd be happy once again once I moved on. <laughs> Have you ever heard that voice? She ended up reading the Bible through and, and, and then... Her roommate invited her to church, and the pastor got her attention when he asked, who is the Lord of your life? She'd never thought about that question. And she said, I quote, I was intrigued. I was the captain of my ship, but was it possible that God would actually be willing to lead me? After praying Jesus Christ to ask you to be the Lord of my life, my world changed dramatically, as if a flat black and white existence suddenly turned full color and three-dimensional. But I lost nothing of my scientific urge to seek new knowledge. In fact, I felt emboldened to ask even tougher questions about how the world works. Today, I work closely with people whose lives are filled with medical struggles. I do not have adequate answers to explain their suffering. But I know that there is a God of unfathomable greatness and love who freely enters into relationship with all who confess their sins and call upon his name. I once thought I was too smart for God. Now I know I was an arrogant fool who snubbed the greatest mind in the cosmos, the author of all science, mathematics, art, and everything else there is to know. Today I walk with joy alongside the most amazing companion anyone could ask for, filled with desire to keep learning and exploring. Friends, in this uh, morning worship service, we have been studying the written word of God to prepare us to fellowship with the living word of God, Jesus Christ. 
On the night that Jesus was betrayed, the scriptures tell us, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, take, eat. This is my body given for you. And then likewise, the scripture tells us that after the supper, he took the cup, the matrimonial cup in the Passover, the Jewish ritual of Passover. He took the cup and he said, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sin. Drink this in remembrance of me. Come now to his table to fellowship with the living word of God and ask him, Lord, open my spiritual ears that I may get spiritual food from the written word of God, the Bible. God bless you this morning.